everyone. Welcome to the 69th episode of Debatable with your hosts, Nina and Kyle. I'm Nina. I'm Kyle. Today, we're going to be talking about sucking, in particular, why it's okay to suck at debate. Because like all 69 jokes aside, this is a bit of a personal episode because it's something that we, as in Nina and I, struggle with a lot and we've struggled with it throughout our entire debate careers uh even today and not just when we started so this has been a common occurrence um that plagues our debate careers our our very existences (laughs) yeah because like just last week i was debating a tournament that i did not do well in like at all as in it was a disaster like round one we lost i got like a 72 or something like that Round two was a cannibalism round, so that meant I was against the team from my own institution, UP Law. And in round three, uh, we were debating about tax law, is which is just a field of law that well, I'm just not into it at all. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. you would think that coming from an econ background, I'd be more into that. But I like the theoretical part, like we can tax people so we can redistribute wealth. But when it comes to like the actual law aspect of it, I just suck at it. Um, so we, we ended up breaking, but we lost in quarters. Again, in a cannibalism round. It's okay, though. I, I feel like silver lining, the team that we lost to ended up winning the tournament overall. So I ended up talking to my friend, who is also a law school debater, uh, graduated already. I said, I joined this tournament because I missed debating, but I forgot how much I didn't miss sucking. Uh, so that's the inspiration for this episode. It's definitely not the fact that it's episode 69 and that the subject matter is sucking. Which begs the question though, Nina. Which begs the question, Nina. When was the last time you remembered how it felt to suck at debating? You'd think it was a long time ago, but actually it was pretty recently. Um, the last time I felt that I sucked was... Last weekend, um, I don't know the specific dates anymore. Time was a blur in this pandemic. But my most recent tournament, PKU Pro-Ams, I was debating with a little baby um, to help them learn debate. And as much as I had fun with it, we broke second, which is something I'm happy about. But come the first out round, the topic was about Israel and the Gulf states. And I knew absolutely like 5% about it. I, I don't want to say nothing. <laughs> well, 5%. I knew I knew what UAE was. I, I know what UAE is. I know what the Gulf states are. I know the issue with Israel-Palestine, but I did not expect the motion to be about the Gulf states. So that took place, and I felt really bad about it because we didn't advance, and that's the last time I felt like I was... I was sucking at debate because you'd expect someone who's at second break not to die at quarters, and then I immediately died. Let I'll say because I I also broke second in that <laughs> tournament, and yeah. I also immediately just lost in the first out round. But also, I think it's just important for us to destigmatize not being good, especially if you're a new person to debate. Like it's very important to destigmatize not being good at first. So like. In San Beda, back in the day when I was in San Beda, we'd always have a lot of applicants on the first day. And we're the kind of group that says, it's okay even if you don't do well in tryouts. Actually, our tryouts in San Beda was a scam because like we pretend that it's a tryouts and you could fail hypothetically. But in practice, everyone got accepted because our philosophy was that like 
it doesn't really matter how you start. What matters is how willing you are to improve and put in the time and energy and effort. Um, so we just wanted to see where they were at so we could devise a strategy on how to help the applicant. But we also joke na, okay, we have 50 applicants. I can't wait to see which three would end up staying in our little family. And when we got older, I went to the UP Debate Society. It's a bit different in the sense that you actually do have to apply and be a member and be a certain skill level by the end of the application process. But there's still the same joke where we say, wow, we have so many applicants attending the orientation seminar. I wonder how many people will just defer the app process. Defer for our listeners strictly means to postpone. But in practice, when you say you're deferring the app process, we use it as you as a euphemism for just quitting the application process. Sometimes it's an actual just deferring or postponement because they they apply the next year, but most of the time they don't apply at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to ask you actually, why do you think people defer um, the process or just stop debating? Because I'm just like more of an optimistic kind of person, whereas like. I wouldn't really understand why I would defer or like just quit at like an application, even though I suck at it. So do you have like any theories as to why? Well, I have talked to a lot of people that have ended up quitting debate or quitting the application process entirely. And most of the time, that's because they have other things to tend to like academics, family problems. Sometimes the schedule is incompatible with what they're doing. But I have encountered some people that just felt like they weren't getting anywhere. You know, I feel like that's the saddest reason to probably leave debating, especially since this these people admittedly really like the sport but couldn't see value if they were not getting awards. Which I don't think is a proper mindset. But, you know, it's a reality for a lot of people. Um, I mean, I have also encountered students that have felt this way. Um, not just in... SPC where we used to coach, but as well as in different countries where I deal with little babies from grade school all the way to high school. And it's sort of an epidemic that people quit or leave when they feel like they are not going to be able to gain a CV from it. Yeah, that's kind of sad. But like for sure, there are a lot of reasons. And the two of us, we have encountered people that go to debate just because their parents want them to. Like, you were the one who actually told me the story about how you were teaching this one kid that was just debating because their parents used to be debaters and her like forcing them or their parents wanted them to be debaters just so badly and they were basically forcing um the, the kid to do it. Um you know, for those cases, if you really don't enjoy it and it's just someone forcing you to debate I think, yeah, like, don't debate if it's not making you happy. Um, and if there are parents listening to this, um, who are like that, come on, don't peer pressure your child. Don't peer pressure your kid into debating. Like, if you are a parent, um, who wants your kid to debate because you're just so in the idea of debating, then you do it. You debate. You debate as a parent. Yeah, you debate as a parent. Like, we should put, like, the TikTok music then you do it (laughs) yeah you should debate like seriously i'm not even joking um because there are so many debate tournaments that are actually open for everyone and we have 
encountered some tournaments where parents actually do end up debating. And not just debating, they're debating with their own children. Like there was a Malaysia debate open that was actually um that actually had a parent-child partnership that was debating in that tournament. But also just in general, there are just so many debate tournaments now that are open for everyone. If you're like a little kid, a novice, or even an old person who might be a novice, there are lots of tournaments open for you. And one tournament that's open for you would be Debatable InterVarsity. So if you want to join or you know someone who wants to join Debatable InterVarsity, please encourage them to do so or please encourage yourself to do so. Phase 2 is currently ongoing and we accept new registrants during that phase. Woo, smooth transition. But now, seriously, this is... pretend that I was smooth. (laughs) (laughs) This tournament is for newbies and veterans alike. I'm sure, and hopefully a lot of people gain like, valuable insights from not just the post-debate analyses, from, but from, you know, debating with others overall, even if it's from an online setting. Yeah, and if anyone needs help with coaching or anything like that, you can just DM us at our Twitter or our Facebook or something. We're very happy to help a lot of the time. Like, we even have, like, rates up. I mean, they've decided on them, like, provisionally. Yeah, yeah. If like, your institution yeah. needs coaching, we do offer services. Um, But we don't want to help people with their homework. Like, if it's straight up just asking us to do your homework, please don't. Uh, That's like, for your own sake, we won't do your homework. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I would never do someone else's homework. Like, especially the homework of a younger person. That I... Sorry, this isn't strictly about our episode. But do you remember the time that I matched with someone on Bumble? And then they were pretending to be like 23. Or maybe like the same age that I was. Uh, yeah, and, I remember that. And then, you know me, I'm, I'm always the kind of person who's like, Oh, you want to talk to me about something nerdy? I'm always G for that. And then the person I was talking to was like, Oh, do you want to help me with my thesis? So I thought it was like, Oh, you want me to help you research for your RRL? And then she was like, no, you have to write my RRL. Oh my gosh. <laughs> in Filipino. So I was like, why would I do that? Also, why is it in Filipino? Just sabi niya, she said her thesis was in Filipino. And I said, isn't that such a high school thing? And then they said, yeah, they were in high school. So I was like, hmm, okay. Block. Unmatch. <laughs> Unmatch. Un- unmatch. <laughs> delete the app. And I just, I, I just like went away. I stopped using that app. But you know, going back to the episode. Uh huh. About sucking at debate. Uh, sucking at debate. As for people who don't want to start because they say, I'm not smart enough for debate or I suck at public speaking or I don't know enough about current events or those people who have started but want to quit for those reasons as well. We do strongly hope that you reconsider. Because no one really starts debating a god. Like, alright? Like, you might have a coach or a teacher who discovers you and recommends you to the debate team or something similar to that. You might have a parent who believes in you and tells you to or encourages you to join the debate team. But ultimately, it's the real part of it is you discovering yourself. So in my case... I actually hated public speaking when I was in fifth grade. I think I say this a lot. Um, but when I was in fifth grade, I had temper tantrums. And that was a problem because I didn't feel like I was in a space where I could express myself and be heard and be understood. 
So ayun, I got therapy for it. I started being nicer. So the teachers started thinking like, hey, what if you let Kyle tell his story and run for student government? I just bombed so hard. Because in San Beda, I don't want to say bad things about my alma mater, but if you were in grade school and then you were encouraged to join the student government, it's not actual student government because the teachers have you audition to be part of the student government. Like, you what? audition in front of the teachers to be part of the student government. So, like, I, I bombed because I was just like, uh, I will, if I win, if you let me have this opportunity, I will, I will. And then I was just trying to remember, like, what are the good things that teachers expect us to say? I, I started saying something like, I will clothe the naked, feed the hungry, <laughs> and the, like all the beatitudes I could remember. I will make sure that everyone goes to church. I, I said something like that. Like, I am going to encourage everyone to pay attention during the homilies. That kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I really, really didn't like public speaking. I hated the feeling of being judged. And I think the only reason why my teacher ended up recommending me to uh, San Beda's new debate team, it wasn't you at the time, um, 11 years ago, was not because I was good at public speaking, but because I was arguing with my classmate quite passionately about cockfighting um, and gambling. So it wasn't really public speaking, but more of private ranting. So that's when it clicked. Like, I was... They believed in me not because of my public speaking skills, but because of my private ranting. Um, so that kind of self-talk was me discovering myself and like finding value in what I was already good at. So for me, if you stay, um, it's kind of cliche or it's kind of corny to say or very cheesy, but it, there is a large part of self-discovery. Like you didn't know this particular thing about yourself and staying gives you those opportunities to, to make those discoveries as well yeah for me though i guess we had different origin stories um yours was more about self-ranting and private ranting and being good at it i was really bad at expressing myself like i was a public speaker in high school and the reason they encouraged me to debate was because I was joining a lot of oratory competitions. Like, I knew how to speak if someone told me what to say. Like, you give me a script, I know how to present it. But I, a brain empty, no thought, brain... No, no thought, brain empty. Yeah, that, that was me. Like, I would just perform. And I knew how to perform. Which is why earlier Kyle thought I was a theater kid, but I'm not. Like, I am a public speaker, which is more or less like theater, because you're, you're just memorizing things and then presenting it to a crowd. But anyway, when I entered debate, I thought I would excel at it, because it was like, it's the same as public speaking. That's what was going through my head. Like, how different could it be? And then I was so wrong. I couldn't think i couldn't articulate any thoughts and as someone who's very competitive like me joining a lot of competitions already for public speaking and the like sucking at something was the most painful thing i'm the type that if i don't excel at something i would quit immediately and that was a really bad tendency of mine the reason i had so many so many sports as a kid was because i wanted to try them all and find something that that clicked 
Like I, I did figure skating and then after I couldn't do a triple flip, I was like, I'm out of here. And then I tried swimming and then when I wasn't the fastest in my class, I'm out of here. So debate almost became the same thing. And I know a lot of debaters who also come from really competitive backgrounds, like outside of debating, like they're used to being like valedictorian or salutatorian. And a lot of debaters are, right? But you either enter for the wrong reasons or stay for the wrong reasons. And that's what I noticed um, with quite a lot. And that was me at the beginning as well. So you, if you have that mindset, what happens is you get very motivated because you want to prove something or prove someone wrong. Um, in this case, there might be people that say you can't do it and then you try to do it. Or you get demotivated because of the question of what's what's the point, right? If you're not excelling, you're not doing the best you possibly can. Yeah, but I feel like even if you have those two things, it seems like they're complete opposites. You know, like you're motivated or you're demotivated, but they're, in my opinion, they're just two sides of the same coin, right? Because you're, either way, you're pinning success or your idea of success on what someone else thinks. Like the person that you want to prove wrong or the person who doesn't believe in you or in like a, a particular extrinsic idea of what success looks like, which is, I don't know, like a certain stunt that you could do in your figure skating that you put your idea of success onto something that you might not necessarily have control over. That's why regardless of whether or not you're motivated or demotivated, either way, it's unsustainable because you are pinning like your happiness on something that's inherently fleeting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I everyone who knows me and has seen my CV knows that I've been in UP, UPDA like three times in a row and I've gotten to the finals of nationals three times in a row and I've lost three times in a row. And, and for the longest time, I held that sort of grudge against myself like, I'm so dumb, I'm so stupid, I can't even win, despite how many opportunities I got. And I lost track of the fact that, you know, g- getting to that stage or getting that far is already such an honor and such a great opportunity that, like, I underestimated and didn't really appreciate because of the fact that I was so hyper-focused on something that was fleeting. An award, a, a medal, a trophy. Like, I used to dream about what the trophies would look like. And then I realized I was really dumb. And they were all just store-bought pala. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all just... If you want a trophy, you could just go into any store, have them engrave your name on it, and then that's it, right? Like, if you really are after some trophies. That's a plot of Victorious. Like, there, there was, a, there was <laughs> oh, yeah, an episode of yeah. Victorious where they, they pretended to have a ping-pong team and then they just bought, like, trophies. But, okay, I think an exception to this rule would be the PIDC trophy because like they 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 had it custom made and it's designed so that like it, it rotates every year like the the defending champion will have okay, the, that Okay if trophy. we're talking about good trophies the NDC one that we lost was pretty good too it was a big block of wood Kyle we could have brought home a big block of wood but we did it and I felt so bad about it but you know I'm over it now um it's something that I realized I should have like appreciated where I was at because a lot of people strive to break a lot of people you know they a lot of victories happen and I feel like I overlooked a lot of them because I was aiming 
at something else completely or aiming too high. Well, I, I don't want to say it's too high because anyone can win a championship and it's something people should aspire for. But because I fell short, I suddenly felt like I was nothing. I was insignificant. I have no credentials to be able to make a podcast and teach people. Yeah, I feel like, y- you know the saying that you're missing the forest for the trees? I think your case might be the opposite of that. Like, you're missing how, like, good... The trees each are. <laughs> tree, like, looks. Like, because, to be fair, each tree, even if we're talking about literal, like, in a literal sense, each tree is a triumph because, like, they have to be decades of years old. Um, so, like, each particular tree is in itself beautiful. But if you're just focusing on the forest, like, as a whole, it's really easy to miss, like, how unique and how special each one is. Wow, nilitagal ko talaga yung tree metaphor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway, I think that a lot of people feel bad about it because their entire lives, Lalna, you were talking about, you know, those people who have always excelled at things and then suddenly when it came to debate, they weren't good anymore and that was really demotivating. Yeah. I feel like I say, for those people, they were kind of taught that you could either be talented or not talented at something, and it was always like a static condition. So if you um, started studying and then you were very good at it, your parents or some authority figure would tell you, oh, you're so smart, you're so smart. And the thing about being called smart is that you kind of internalize that that is just something that you are rather than something that you become. Um, so when there is a thing like debate that no one is smart at, <laughs> like literally no one is smart at, um, ever. No one is ever smart at debating. Um, and I, I'm saying this because I love the craft of debating where everyone... I mean, everyone has an equal yeah. shot of sucking yeah, exactly. and not sucking. You know, it's free game. Yeah, so I, I think like when, when you're entering and you don't feel like you're talented at this... You end up thinking like, what's the point of pursuing this thing if I'm not going to be extraordinary? And I don't think that's a, that's a good mindset because the idea that you can only feel good about yourself if you do well in comparison to other people over whom you have no control is something that's really bad. Because like, think about life just in general. Does the fact that you aren't the best at school mean that it's meaningless to go to school? Like, does the fact that you know, um, you're not necessarily the best at biking. It means that it's not a worthwhile endeavor to be biking or like going to the gym or taking care of yourself in general just because you might not be the best bodybuilder around or the best athlete. It doesn't mean that it's not a worthwhile thing to do because it's not really about, you know, what you want in the very end of the day, but it's more of what you can get, um, Towards a particular goal. So it's the little victories that you get, um, on your way through the journey of life. <laughs> <laughs> We're turning it to such a cliche. Yeah. Guys. So it's, it's not really about how much you win at debate, right? It's about, you know, bettering you, bettering your life, bettering yourself, you know? Um, it's, it's not really, it's not even about getting good. It's really more about getting better. Because if you define good as winning tournaments, then again, it's based on things that you can't control. So I think, you should, I mean, for listeners who are still struggling with this, 
you could probably find a goal that you could achieve on your own terms. Um, and again, for us, it was not to win things, not necessarily even to get good, just to be better. Yeah. And this is where our motto comes into play. Like, if you've ever seen Kyle and I compete in a tournament together or have ever listened to us rant about tournaments we've done, you'd know we have a hashtag together which is stronger than yesterday or stronger than last round or, like, different variations of the same thing. And that's because Kyle and I used to be very obsessed with, like, the statistics of things, the tabs. I used to bottom tabs. Like, I remember... Um, when I started out debating, I was third year high school. I started rather late. But every tournament, I would print out the tab. Remember when they would distribute the yeah. tab on paper? Yeah. <laughs> Man, what a weird time. Like. Yeah, but they would give the tab on paper. They were stapled together. I would look for my name and compare myself to everyone I went against. Like, I would stalk people and be like, what? Did I do well in this round compared to them? Because there was no tabber. There was no tabber for me to see like the full ballot, right? It was just like the tabs straight up. Um, there was no record of the ta- of the individual ballots. And I remember how toxic that mindset was. So when Kyle and I teamed up, I guess we were both sort of toxic in the beginning. Admittedly, like we we had yeah. the we wanted to win, we wanted to break, and then we realized uh, a bit late. Not okay, not super late. But I feel like we could have realized it sooner. That the goal should have been not to compare ourselves to others, but just compare our progress to ourselves. You know where... Okay, I want to test you. Do you remember how we got stronger than yesterday? Yes, we got it from Naruto. Yeah, because we were case building. And during our breaks, we were watching Naruto Shippuden. And like in the first arc of Naruto Shippuden, Rock Lee was fighting a version of himself and he couldn't win. So Rock Lee was like, I know what we have to do. We just need to be better than we were the day before. We need to be stronger than yesterday. I like how you, you try to do the voice as well. But yeah, basically that's where we got it. And it was like, it stuck. We looked at each other and we're like, oh. <laughs> and then the Naruto music starts saying, dun, 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 dun. and then we're like, yeah, this this is it. This is our next tournament team name. We're going to do this, Kyle. We made a playlist and everything. And then it got cemented. That became our motto for NDC. It became our no- motto for every other IV that we went to. It even went. Uh, and crossed over to PIDC when we teamed up with Colleen, right? And I know that you also have experience with um, sort of the toxic mindset of looking at tabs. Yeah, I mean, I, it was different for me because I I also was at the bottom of the tab. Mm. Um, but fortunately, I didn't find out until like a month after the tournament already ended because I... I was really new. I didn't know what tabs were, how scores were. <laughs> That's so cute. So it, it was ASDC 2010. So it was Asians. So I was literally the bottom ranked speaker in the entire continent <laughs> for that year. Um, I got 269s in that tournament. 269s. Could you believe that? And what was the range though? Like, you know, we, we have gone was, through so many ranges. It's, 69 to 81. 69 was the floor score. So I got two of those. I got two 69s. Not even in the the fun way where you can laugh at it at the moment. 
Like when when you fail an analytic geometry exam and you got a 69, it's like, nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of 69s being thrown out in this episode. It's like the Bader it's like the Bader Minoff effect where you learn about something new and then you find you start seeing it everywhere. It's like that. You start realizing that there's so many 69s everywhere. Like this morning, we got retweeted by a 69 bot. Oh really? Yeah, so I was I was looking through their tweets, like their retweets pala. And then there was like the weather is all almost always 6.9 degrees somewhere. Or like there was a fire and the temperature of the fire was 69 degrees. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, so I think the thing you have to take note of is that with a lot of skills, um, it's, it's not about getting good, like you say, right? It's about constantly improving on them. Um, and you should learn how to enjoy that because if you don't enjoy it, then this is where you have to ask yourself, what's the point? It shouldn't be when you're not getting awards that you ask this question, but it should be when you stop having fun. And this is a constant question I ask my students, especially those that are forced by their parents. I ask them, are you having fun? And if they're not having fun, I won't force them to debate for that day. We're gonna talk about how your your day at school went, or we're going to, I don't know, we're going to play a little game that's debate-related, but not super debate-related. So maybe if you're someone who's struggling with... Like the, the the threat of retirement, you should ask yourself if you're still enjoying. And then if not, retire Nabesh. Retire. <laughs> <laughs> so so bold to tell debaters to retire. Like that ever happens. But okay, yeah, I think that's actually really good advice. Um what if you don't enjoy it because you don't feel good enough to enjoy it? And I I understand that. Because Unlike you, Nino, where you try a bunch of things and the first part, the first time that you experience not being good at that thing, you quit. I don't start because I don't feel like I'm good enough to have fun at that kind of thing. So like, I I think for tax law, (laughs) tax law. Wow. How specific. I know someone who is so passionate about tax law that Literally, they would send me like lists of motions just about tax law. And I was like, how could you ever find any sort of fun in tax law? Cause like, I don't know anything about it. So I don't understand the appeal. So that's the thing. Because I don't know enough about it, I don't have fun when I'm debating it. And that's also the reason why if you know a lot about econ, chances are you also Maybe sort of. sort of have more fun debating econ motions than most people. So like, in a more general sense, if you do not know enough about debating or how to debate, it's possible that you never start having fun in the first place. So for me, when this happens, for like a student or something, I find that here's what we can do. We first need to learn that there's a difference between skills learning and skill acquisition. Learning something would be for an exam or something. That's just like learning the rules of debate. Um, learning, like, what is the first speaker of government side? How many teams are there? How many sides are there for a debate? So what is, what isn't? That's different from skill acquisition, which is how you put, hopefully, what you learned into practice. But that's an oversimplification. But, but like, hear me out. Do you think 
native English speakers always know what a past participle is or what a gerund is? No, because like they might not have learned that from school, but they acquired the skill of using those things anyway. So that's the reason why, like, just look at the way that we speak language. We have so many unwritten rules in our language that we didn't learn, like, in class or anything, but we acquired through constant use. So that that's the reason why you might not have been in a debate class before, but you sort of understand how the flow of an argument should or ought to work. Um, so in that case, what you need to look for is a certain level of learning that would allow you to rapidly acquire the skill. So this means that you need to learn enough about debating so that you can correct yourself when something goes wrong. And in that way, you can acquire the skill much faster because you don't need to go to your coach. You don't need to go to a teacher. You don't need to, like, um, ask us on Ask yeah. FM or mm-hmm. Curious Cat, right? Because you already learned it. The only question now is, can you police yourself into acquiring this skill and developing it on your own? So you need to learn the basics, Muna. And it's only at that point in time that you can be sufficiently equipped to end up having fun. Because that's where you can start experimenting on your own. Eh? Yeah. I, I mean, you gotta choke a little when you start. What? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, like, it, it, it's... When you, when I mean, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like in debating, you, you choke a little. Um, and you're gonna suck at it. And basically, you're acquiring skills even if you don't recognize that you are constantly acquiring skills. And that's the thing about most skills, is that you don't notice that you are getting good. You sort of develop an imposter syndrome, which is so common with debaters. Yeah. I, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's so common with debaters. I was uh, going to make a generalization that everyone, like, I was going to make a generalization that debaters experience imposter syndrome more than any other group that I know. But that's because, like, I am most, you know, I am most exposed to the debate community. But I feel like it's just something that a lot of us go through whenever we're more perfectionist than, you know, a well-adjusted person would be. Yeah, so basically, a lot of debaters end up developing imposter syndrome because even if we're improving, the benchmark for improving just constantly moves. When I started, I needed to break. Then once I started breaking, I felt like I'm still not good enough. I want to get into quarters constantly instead of dying at octos. I'm tired of being octomas. And that's what I was called for my first few years. Did you have like a cute little nickname for your sucking? No, because <laughs> I was team captain. So just try. Just try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I was Octomas for a while. And then I was like, no, I gotta reach semis. And then when I started dying a lot in semis, I'm like, I'm not good enough. I gotta get to finals. And then finally, I'm, I was a finalist so many times. And... Like, while being a finalist should be a great thing, I still feel like I'm an imposter. Like, I'm not a good debater. Like, my CV is a lie. All of these things are just failures that look good because, I don't know, they have the word best in it, right? But I'm still a failure. So I didn't notice I was acquiring a lot of skills. Like, I'm now very confident in speaking. I'm now, uh, I don't know, I think I'm, I've developed skills in being able to teach debate and hence I gained the confidence to start this podcast with you. And you don't notice a lot of those things. So 
I would advise people who feel like they suck at debate to take a step back and sort of breathe in first and look at where you are relative to where you were. Yeah. Try to, like, think of yourself. Put yourself in the shoes of an objective observer looking at your CV or looking at, like, all you've accomplished. Would you be impressed? And I think most of the time you would be impressed. Like, considering, like, how much time you put in, considering, like, how difficult, just inherently difficult debating is. So I think, like, we need to just celebrate how far we've come. So a good tip here is to record um, your speeches. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And then, so, like, I wish that I still kept the recordings from my speeches 11 years ago. Because not only did I, I sound so much different, so different, like, I still think that my voice is very high, but I, I heard a recording of myself saying incompetent, incompetent 11 years ago, and I sounded like a cartoon. Like, I sounded like a cartoon, but I digress. I wish I had more recordings of myself during that era because I'm pretty sure that I would have cringed so much. Like, I would have realized how far I've gone from, from that particular moment in time. Yeah, so it's not just about achievements, okay? We're not telling you to look at your achievements and then compare it to the fact that you didn't have achievements. Because even if you don't have achievements, I'm pretty sure there is a way for you to see improvement happening. When I started debating, I was already so happy that I managed to reach seven minutes, the first tournament I managed to reach seven minutes in. Because when I started, I was just doing three-minute speeches. And I didn't break... But I started doing seven-minute speeches. I still didn't break, but I remember giving myself a pat in the back. Like, one of the rare moments where I actually give myself credit. I, cra- I, I pat myself on the back, and I was like, good job, Nina. You actually managed to reach seven minutes. So I'm advising everyone to do that. Like, find small victories. They don't need to be awards. Like, I, I it, it doesn't have to be a speaker award. You don't have to aim for that. Um, but just... Something you're proud of. Do you now know something about IR that you previously didn't? That's something to celebrate. Were you able to raise a POI and they like not go beyond 15 seconds? That's something to be proud of. Are you not overtime this time? Yeah, something to be proud of as well. So I would really recommend people, like after each round, tell yourself something you liked about your speech and something you disliked as well. Just to, to, to balance it out. Like, yeah. I, I think that I was actually going to ask you, like, so are you okay with like participation trophies? But then I think that actually participation is an achievement for many people. Like I know so many people who really want to do well, but are so afraid of joining competitions because they're afraid of failing. So I think that contrary to what more conservative or older, you know, more boomer type people would say participation trophies are actually a good thing because for a lot of people, mere participation in a tournament is already an achievement if they struggle with like self-confidence issues, Mm. you know? So like, it's probably not going to mean the same for every, for everyone, but you should be able to allow yourself to celebrate the things that are meaningful to you including just the mere act of participating or the mere act of volunteering to join a round or, you know, signing up for debatable intervarsity. <laughs> second plug, second plug. Smooth though, smooth. But- yeah, so anyway, to, to prove this point further, 
Um, Nina, you and I have collected a bunch of stories about our most shameful moments. This morning, we tweeted something asking people, like, what are their most memorable I suck moments? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because, like, we wanted to look at trends and we found, like, very meaningful trends and we, we felt that we had stories that also fit into those trends. Mm-hmm. So the first one, um, first speeches. Nina, how was your speech? Your okay. first speech. My first ever speech. Uh, admittedly, my first ever debate speech wasn't that bad. Okay, fine. It was three minutes, but it wasn't something that I would consider like devastatingly horrible. But my first public speaking stint, um, when I auditioned for like an oratory competition, I was wearing like a long skirt. And then in the middle, like the most dramatic, like climax part of the speech, if speeches can even have climaxes, but you know, like assume. I think like they could, <laughs> okay. Yeah, but like in oratory competitions, they're all very fake, but you, you get what I mean. Like the, the most dramatic part, the part where you're, you're meant to like have all your emotions. I tripped on my skirt. That's it. Did, did you fall like on the floor? I fell face down and I remember my face being so sore and I tried to continue like normal while getting up. But I was, I was so embarrassed and I, I, I remember losing control. Like I forgot everything. I blanked. And that's where I sucked. Like it wasn't the tripping that made me feel like I sucked. It was the fact that one small inconvenience like tripping managed to throw me off my whole game. So that was my first speech. And I felt like that that fear stayed with me, like even during our finals in NDC. Like remember my really lost serpentine dress? The, yeah. Yeah, I was so scared yeah. of tripping. Um and that well, was I don't I don't I did know that about you. <laughs> yeah, that, I was I I don't like wearing super long dresses because of that. So if you notice a lot of my dresses are just like Above the knee and on my knees, really short because I don't want to trip anymore, and I have a tendency to trip. It's the trauma you're on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was my first speech. My very first debate speech. I remember it quite vividly because, you know, everything was perfect. I remember being so mayabang about it. The motion was like, "This house would remove PE or physical education from the high school curriculum," and I was in opposition. So obviously, I, I already knew what I was gonna talk about. I talk about like. How important it is to have, you know, a, a holistic, wholesome education, something like that. And then I, I bombed. Like I, I, I only had two minutes because I said I don't need notes. I know exactly what I'm gonna say. Like, like Ferdinand Marcus or something. But anyway, like I, I, I only did two minutes. Half of that was me saying um. And the worst part was, the worst part was I started like. This big tangent, and the tangent isn't something I'm necessarily ashamed of, because I tangent all the you, time. You tangent quite a lot. But that particular tangent was so embarrassing, because I was bragging about how many tricks I could do with my pen. Like, pen spinning. Like, I can I can tw- twirl my pen through my fingers and make it, you know, spiral or something. And it's like, see, look at this. And I was staring at my myself doing the the pen tricks for like 10 seconds and then i was like yeah that's it and then i sat down and i remember because i was comparing myself to the person who spoke before me Mm -hmm. she was a korean si sharon and english wasn't even her second language it was like 
her third language already or something. Mm-hmm. So there was no reason for, I mean, for my 10-year-old brain, there was no reason for Sharon to have been more spontaneous and like more fluent or, or just like more graceful with public speaking than I was because she had even less experience in, in speaking this language than I did. Um, so that kind of comparison, plus a little bit of internalized racism, I admit, like made me really ashamed of that first speech. Um, and that's something that made me like competitive to like a quite toxic degree, actually. Um, so I don't want to continue that because it, ma- it makes me feel bad about myself even more, even though I should rightfully feel bad about those kinds of assumptions. But anyway, the next point of comparison we can make is experiences with first tournaments. Because, um, someone said that in their very first tournament, they debated against Ateneo A already. So, like, really world-class debaters already. And they were just babies. <laughs> so they, they wanted to retire right then and there. So how was your first, like, tournament, Nina? Well, my first tournament was Idea 3. It wasn't even Idea Light when I was in high school. Which is, for those who don't know what Idea is, it's like the high school... uh how how do you define idea? Like it's just a it's like an organization of high schools that 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 organize tournaments, tournaments constantly. constantly. Like there are there's a series they host a series of tournaments for that year. The first one is Idea Light, which should be my story. And there's Idea One, Two, and Three. And then Idea yours, and, and then, then Idea, idea Grants. Grants. Yeah. So I was in Idea Three. I wasn't even in the baby edition. They threw me in. Because the, the philosophy was to learn debate, you must be thrown into the wolves. Um, into the wolves' den or something. I don't know how the saying goes. But anyway, I remember I thought I was like, hot shit. I'm a public speaker. Uh, I don't know how to debate, but I know how to sound good and confident. And that was all you needed because it's about faking it till you make it. And admittedly, like that was the wrong mindset to have entering. But it's something I had and I couldn't avoid. So, idea three. My first round, I went into the wrong room, right? And I got lost. So that was like my first I suck moment. I don't even know how these tournaments work. Like, I don't know how the rooms work. I don't know what it means to be in closing opposition. Like, I thought it just meant, like, being in opposition. But I just sat in the latter end of the room, right? <laughs> like, I didn't know there was a difference in the role. And then I went against a strong team from Savior, um, Savior High School. And I remember sucking so bad because I didn't have anything new to say. I was CO. OO was really good. They took everything. So I just parroted everything and tried to impromptu my way out of it. And I remember my score being, I don't know, really low. Because again, I really checked the tabs. Um, I was like, what, 70? Because I had nothing new. And most of the time, I was just fluffing. Because doing fluff is what you do as an oratory speaker, right? And that's what I did. I was peacocking random words and hoping some of them stuck. But debaters are smart and judges are smart. And therefore, I managed not to impress the judge. <laughs> so that's my story. Yeah, I, I started Idea Light 2010, um, which was also one of the first tournaments that Ventura did. Um, so I am bringing this up because... He was one of the people who co-retweeted us 
And for people who listen to us a lot, um, Ventura was our fellow motion contributor for Debatable Open. Yeah. Um, so the first round of Idea Light 2010 was something about, you know, leaving Africa alone to manage its own affairs. So Ventura apparently read something about Robert Mugabe having a toilet made out of gold. That was yung example niya. And I was like, haha, you think that's bad? <laughs> you think that's bad? That was my very first um, debate round outside of training. And the only thing that I knew about Africa at that time was that compared to the rest of the world, they tended to be more poor than the rest of the world. Um, I didn't even know it was because of colonialism. All I knew is that they were quite poor. So I, and like I still had, I know, um, I still have actually a more Filipino, quote unquote Filipino accent where <laughs> instead of Vs, you say B. Instead of, you know, F, you say P. So I was saying stuff like, Africa is doing so, Africa is so, doing so bad. They're experiencing masturbation. Um, and I was in a room full of girls, full of teachers, and full of parents. And then I didn't even know what that word was. I didn't even know what masturbation was. I was 11 years old. You just wanted to talk about masturbation. I just wanted to say that people were hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, I could see everyone, like, staring at me like I was saying something wrong. And I didn't know why. I was like, what? Are they not hungry? Like, are, are people who are, are people who are impoverished just not hungry? Is, is there something I'm missing? And it was only after that tournament that the teacher went up to me and was started talking about like, do you need to talk to someone about masturbation? And I was like, why? Oh no. It's just being hard. That's not even a story about sucking. It's more like just an embarrassing moment. But I guess... No, because like, that, that was literally the only thing that I was able to talk about for the entire three minutes that I was speaking. Oh, okay. It okay. was just that. Okay, okay. I get it. I get it. So, what about stories of debating against gods well again like what i said earlier there are a bunch of people who like one of their first tournaments or it might be their very first tournament Clavanilla ateneo a or upda in your case but in my case i was second year high school and our coach told us you know what be cool you should debate in a college tournament so my very first csbiv um, or Benilde InterVarsity was in 2011. And there was a team there in round one, Kalabanamin in round one, was a team called the Newbies. So we were like, Kaya! Oh, Kaya! <laughs> Newbies! So we went to our friend, um, Val, who was much older and eventually became like one of the most decorated Filipino debaters because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they won like national championships back to back to back and then she became Asian champion pa. but anyway we asked them um, oh do you know the newbies we're so excited I think we can take them and then Jules was like oh yeah <laughs> have fun apparently these were all gods like they, they were national Asian or regional champions all three of them at the time so it was Sir Martin Pearl Simbulan Raymond Vittorio and like we just got crushed. We got crushed because they were all, they were all already dinosaur level debaters 
And you were just babies. You haven't even been debating for a year yet at that time. Mm. So, like, I remember the motion and the side. We were on opposition. The motion was this house would elect the ombudsman. The only thing we knew about the ombudsman was that the ombudsman um, prosecuted um, public officials when they do something wrong. And even that we weren't sure of. Like, we had to get our really bad school books for social studies and we had to look at what the ombudsman was. <laughs> But anyway, uh, I, I argued that something about, like, we should trust them, but they should also be objective. That's why we should not elect them. And Sir Martin, um, who responded to me, I realized that for a lot of our audience, they might be too young to know who Sir Martin is or who any of these people are. But needless to say, Sir Martin just explained what my argument was. They said, they're so important to society and we need to trust them, but... We should not elect them and we should not hold them accountable for anything, but we should trust them. And he just looked at the judge. Like, in a, you know how you look at someone like in a sarcastic way, like, can you believe this guy? Yeah. That was, that, I'm pretty sure that's not what the intent was, but that's how it felt. Because I, like, yeah, I really did suck in, in that, that Aww. argument. Um, but, but thankfully, um, I talked to my coach afterwards and my coach told me to ask comments from them. And this is actually a real nice tip. If you're out of your league when you're debating with someone and you're a noob, it's like re- a really good idea to ask your opponents for comments as well. Because you might feel very intimidated by them, but they're actually very nice people. Like almost all the time. So that was the very first time that Sir Martin told me that that was a technique that he uses for rebutting talaga, which is like explaining your opponent's argument in your own words so that you can better point out the logical flaws in that argument. And that's something like I I talk with me for the rest of my life, more than half of my life now, actually. And even the few times I met Sir Martin afterwards, I I talked to him about it. And he was like, yeah, that was good advice. <laughs> that was good advice. I love how they weren't sure. Like, they, did, they didn't even remember the advice you gave. So that's your story. Mine, yeah. on the other hand, um, was college. Again, I started late. So a lot of my stories are either fourth year high school or college. But nonetheless, I've considered myself a debate baby back then. And what happened was, my first tournament... Actually, my first ever college tournament, I guess, would be NLIV, Northern Luzon Intervarsity, where I went with Chloe Chong and Cassie. Either that or Arbenil. No, I think it was NLIV. That was the first one. Yeah, so NLIV was my first one. We broke, and I was so excited. Like, I, I was a freshman in college. I was like, I can do this. And then, for Octo Finals, I went against UPDA. Oh, no. And I remember just getting crushed. Because I get crushed by them in training. And I was like, great, I get to experience cross-training. I'm not cross-training. I get to experience UPDS training. And I get to be crushed and humiliated. But this time in Baguio. <laughs> no, that was a feeling. At least malamig. At least malamig while I'm getting crushed to death, right? And I remember feeling like, oh no, if I don't overcome these people... This is just gonna be my life. I'm just gonna be stuck not improving. And I felt really bad about it because I went all the way to Baguio just to die immediately. And not even like to someone that I could 
like learn from I mean not that I couldn't learn from UPDA obviously I was learning from them but the point was like I did, I, I felt really bad because it felt like nothing changed like nothing was new I died in the most unenthusiastic way possible I or died like oh man it's just just any other day you know <laughs> just like any other day yeah just any other day and that was the feeling and I felt really really bad about it what about something about not knowing anything? Because we also have a lot of stories about like, oh, they debated something about austerity. They, they debated something about IR or ECHO and, and they didn't know anything about that. Do you have any stories like that? I think anyone who knows me uh, knows me as an IR person, but it wasn't always that way. Like I had a villain origin story and my origin story was... AIV with Kyle, the semifinals where I was up against Venti. Again, Venti comes up a lot in these kinds of discussions, doesn't he? But that's because Venti is someone I consider a really, really good debater. And I'm always scared when I'm up against, against Venti, regardless of what era it is. Like, I'm a baby high schooler, afraid of Venti. Uh, I'm UPDA and Venti's UPDB, I'm afraid of Venti. Like, right now, we are both alumni and Venti will never be debating ever again, probably. Still afraid of Venti. But anyway... We're talking about <laughs> Venti and we're thinking about Venti listening and going like, oh, what are they talking about? I'm scared of Venti. I'm scared of Venti. <laughs> but anyway, um, actually, we should send this clip to Venti just so they know we're talking about them. But anyway, yeah, so what happened there was... I was against Venti and Seabor, um, then Kip and Charmilla, yeah, Kip and, and, and then, then Aloy and Joey. Joey. Yeah, and I was like, that was a stacked room. It was semifinals. We were really young. We were like sophomores, I think. I think we were, yeah, we were sophomores. Sophomores in, in college. And I feel like getting to semis was really tough for us. Like we had to go against really strong people to get there. And then once we got there, it was about the EU is a failed project. And Kyle and I just looked at each other. We were OG and we're like, what? I what? know, I know theoretically what the EU is. You know, I know what Europe is. Like, what does it mean to fail? What is it? What's a project? Like, what, what? It's a project? Like, I didn't even know anything. So I, we made stuff up about, like, it failed. At least we had a structure. I remember we had a structure. Like, they failed politically, economically, and, and culturally. That's, that was my entire speech. I don't know how you extended it, but my entire speech was about how they failed on those three aspects. Obviously, I was, like, making everything up as I went, and I didn't know anything. And that was, like, the most crushing debate I, I've ever felt. And that was where I swore to be good at IR. Which again, I think everyone knows this story already. But like, if you want a story about me feeling like I suck, that, that was it. That was my ultimate villain origin story that just made me want to go like, mm, I'm gonna do every IR motion well. I'm gonna get into a team. I'm gonna excel. That was the moment I felt so close and so far at the same time. Because it was semis. I just, if I did well here, I would be in finals. And I would yeah. make a name for myself or something. I don't know what my so mindset was. So after, after your experience last week with the Israel and UAE, yeah, and I'm, you lost, now I'm going to be an expert on UAE now. I am going to be like the Philippines' number one UAE-knowing debater. No, because what happened was, after that, I was like, I'm going to master the EU. And I did. I feel like I know a lot about... EU situations. And then there was a motion that I lost also before uh, about, about ASEAN and I was like, I'm gonna know everything about ASEAN. 
I haven't had that experience with the Middle East yet, and now probably this is it. This is this is it. This is the Middle East. This is the Middle East origin story of Nina's expertise, and that that's going to happen. But again, like that just proves the point, right? No matter how good you might think I am at IR, I will still fail at IR. There are still like blind spots. I will. I will still suck at it. I will still inevitably suck at it, especially if the motion is something I'm not familiar with. It wasn't just about Israel and Palestine now, because I I know about that. I think that's a basic debate. I mean, it should be a basic uh, go-to of debaters, and they should be matter-loading on it. You should be matter-loading on it. You should be (laughs) matter-loading. This is us telling the Discord people, matter-load on Israel-Palestine, especially now. But, anyway, um, but it was about the Gulf states, the UAE, and it is related to Palestine, just not directly. So you wouldn't expect something like that to come up. But and it, it was a, it's a difficult motion. Like, I, I can imagine that there's so many different actors that you need to juggle in that debate. Yeah, because so. it was about the entire, all the Gulf states. And I was OG, and my partner was a little baby. And they didn't know and he was... you're also a baby. I'm also a baby. So that, that was it. That was my, um, my two stories, actually, about not knowing anything. Uh, ha ha ha, you're both related to IR despite the fact that I'm a political science major. So that just makes me feel worse. Ako sports. <laughs> sports. So, it was 2010 or 2011. We were debating a motion about like, I, I, I've never told you this, but the motion that, the motion that we were debating then was something about fans, um, making the decisions for their teams. And we didn't know what that was. We didn't know what that was. Um, we didn't know like what a free agent was, what a trade was, those kinds of things. So instead you were like, the the fans will decide who the lineup is, who passes to who. <laughs> they're, like, they're gonna go there with their phones and they're gonna vote where they're gonna go. And it was Twitter, Twitter poll. Twitter yeah. decides my day. The, you know? mm, actually, we were quite innovative because kami nag-invento actually. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the our opponents then, um, it was VP. The opponent that we were against was Southridge. Um, and not just like Southridge Institution, but like their best debaters at the time. And they were very into sports. Um, <laughs> they were very into sports. So we got crushed, but not that much. Like we got second because the remaining two teams, um, if I'm not mistaken, one of them was from Woodrose, the other was from Poveda, I think. And they had zero idea about sports in general. They like so sila yung you know when you kick a ball, when you throw a ball, uh so at least Kang and I, we knew people's names like Kobe, Kobe <laughs> LeBron, uh-huh, uh-huh. G- Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Do, do you like Messi? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I would like to say that I've gotten better at sports motions. I would like to say that. Is it true though? No, I'm just saying I would like to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I, I'm really bad at sports motion, uh, admittedly, but at least I know how to politicize it. Like I know how to turn it up to IR and to turn it into politics, which is like areas I do a little bit better in. I'm not the expert at those topics. 
But I know how to fake it till I make it. And I guess that's the point, right? Yeah. Okay, last. Embarrassing yourself in front of your idols. Nina, has this ever happened to you? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, when you're in the finals, everyone you have ever looked up to is rooting for you. Like, when you're in the finals of nationals, for example, everyone who has ever co- to- uh, like coached you or taught you, the, the giants that you are standing on, the shoulders of which you are standing on, they are rooting for you. They're watching your live stream. And then, you plop. You know, you don't win it. You choke. Finals Chokers Club. Finals Chokers Club. You, you do bad, and it feels bad, despite the fact that they tell you over and over again that they've been there. You still feel like, no, you have it. You've won already, right? Or you feel that you're just saying that because you don't want me to feel bad. And I feel like those are instances where I felt rather embarrassed to call myself like someone who held the UPDA name. That's heavy. Because yeah. like, I no, was just like... <laughs> no, there's a lot of pressure because it comes with it, right? And yeah. I, I don't have any other experience of... Like, directly speaking in front of my idols or debating against them. Like, at least, you know, by the time I managed to, I didn't feel super far away from them. Well, I, I still do. But I, I managed to hold myself together. So I don't feel as embarrassed when I lose. You know, like, I can still give a 77 speech, maybe. And if I manage to do that, I don't feel so embarrassed anymore. How about you? myself <laughs> in front of my idols. Hmm. I think... One of them was, I don't think we can like name drop without the consent because they're still around in the debate committee, just not in the Philippines anymore. Like they migrated. We've been name dropping a lot of people. Okay, fine. So <laughs> when I was when I was first year high school, Daryl Isla was a senior already, mm-hmm. um, and they spoke at the Intexem. Uh. And then round one of Idea One, we went against Andrew Eskay and Daryl Isla. Mm-hmm. So Lasal Green Hills at the time. Uh, we debated against them, but before that, during prep time, I had to check if that was actually Daryl Isla. So I I knocked and I opened the door. Remember back when we had like actual prep rooms and actual prep times and, and actual, actual doors, yeah, and doors. <laughs> <laughs> I opened the door and I was like, I'm sorry, are you the <laughs> the person? And then they were just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Who is this weird child? Who is this? <laughs> yeah, so there, there you go. Embarrassing yourself in front of your idols. And I just feel like... How did that speech go though? You didn't finish the fourth. Oh, okay. And you felt embarrassed by it? Uh, Yes. We were closing for Daryl Isla. Oh, okay, okay. So, I mean, what was embarrassing for me was the fact that I had to knock and go in. Like, are you the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but everyone I has that moment. I I have asked people for autographs. Like, you know, I've asked people, why are you embarrassed that you have someone you idolize? Like, I'm sure a lot of people are embarrassed about their stories meeting us. And they shouldn't be. 
No, no, no. It's it's not it's not the fact that I met an idol. It was the fact that I disturbed their prep time. Oh. Just because I fanboyed. <laughs> okay, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Anyway, what was the point of us sharing all of this? And our episode has reached quite uh quite length. length. Yeah, quite length. But the reason we're sharing a lot of this is because not only are they fun stories that help. Like, make people realize that debaters are humans that make mistakes. Even your idols make mistakes. And I'm sure someone who has co-tweeted our tweet, if you go through our Twitter, one of them is probably someone you idolize, right? And they also have a story that shows that they once sucked. We once sucked as well, if we're people that you look up to. And that's just to prove that you shouldn't be embarrassed of what stage you are in, in your particular debate journey. Another thing is to point out that we all start from somewhere. I started from a public speaking background and I still managed to suck at debate. Kyle's really good at fighting people (laughs) based on what his teachers say about him. And he still managed to suck quite a bit at debate. And I guess the most important takeaway of this episode is to point out that progress isn't a straight line. Like people really think that progress is a straight line. Like... After I give a 74 speech, I know my mistakes, I'll give a 75. But you forget a lot of different factors come into play that may make your next speech a 73 or make it still 74. The You could be debating for 10 years and then get a 72. Yeah, you could be debating for 10 years and get a 72. Or, for example, get a 74 in a nationals despite, you know, doing really well and stuff. Um, I mean, not that... Those have happened. (laughs) That definitely happened to me. (laughs) Yeah, but, but, you know, like, progress isn't a straight line. There's so many factors to take into consideration. You could be really good at debate skill, but just don't know enough about the topic. You could know a lot about the topic, but don't know enough about strategizing and debate. So it's all about balance and doing well. Um, In balancing. Think about what you can control. Yeah, think about what you can control. So progress isn't a straight line. It's more like a fluctuating line. Um, that goes like in a general direction, like it averages improvement, but if you look at it from afar, it looks kind of messy. And that's okay. Like that's the story everyone goes through, even the most decorated of debaters. Yeah. So I think that's it for this very long episode. We hope that, I mean, one of the takeaways that you should get from this episode is that it's okay to suck. And for our 69th episode... We want to remind everyone to always try to take opportunities where even if you might suck, at least you can learn from those opportunities. Yeah, suck as much as you can because eventually you'll get good at what It's the first step towards not sucking. Yeah, and that's it for episode 69 of Debatable. Um, Thanks so much for listening. For those who stuck around on our Discord channel, thanks as well. Um, for participating and chatting us. We found it very entertaining. For those who participate in Twitter, thank you as well. Um, we really enjoy your company and recording in front of you just makes this experience much more enjoyable. Um, so that's it for this episode. Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.